Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here at Cloud Wars Live, where we explore today's digital business revolution by speaking with the business executives and thought leaders who are profoundly changing how the world works, lives, plays, learns, and dreams. Our guest today is Stuart Bashford, digital officer of Buhler Group, an extraordinary Swiss company that's become one of the world's largest and most innovative producers of food. Stuart and his teams are doing some remarkable work with cloud and other digital technologies in their quest to feed the world. Stuart, welcome to the Cloud Wars Live podcast, and thanks very much for joining us. Hi, Bob. Thanks very much for having us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Stuart, Buhler's doing some remarkable things, right? You've got a, a family-owned company for multiple generations, very strong cultural and social values, along with the you know, ongoing outstanding financial performance. And plus, you've got this intense commitment to leveraging technology in service of a, a very, very high-level goal of feeding the world. So at large, Stuart, what's the Buhler story? Let me start by giving a bit of context to the business side. So we are about a $3 billion sized company. We are fully family owned, Swiss based. And in fact, we still manufacture in our, the, the place where it all started 158 years ago in a small town in the east side of Switzerland. People always say to us, you know, why are you manufacturing here? Well, you know, what, why are you manufacturing in one of the world's most expensive places to do it in <laughs> right. the world? And so we say, you know, the answer is quite simple. We're family owned. The owners take a real kind of social responsibility for their town, you know, and we need to be mindful of that. We are fully worldwide. However, we have, we work in about 140 countries around the world and perhaps just give you some stats Bob just to sort of sure. um, highlight exactly what Bula does so we work in the food processing industry around about 65% of the world's grain is processed by Bula equipment around about 70% of the world's chocolate 75% of the world's malting 30% of the world's rice and 30% of the world's breakfast cereals all processed on Buddha equipment. If we if we go back to one of those 65% of the world's grain, you know, this is the staple food of the planet and two thirds of it gets processed on, on our equipment. And all of this from essentially from a company that uh, I suspect the majority of people haven't even heard of. Yes, Stuart, that was one of the things that I I just noted about this because you are one of those sort of behind-the-scenes companies people might know of you, but as most people do, if you're going to eat, you're probably on a regular basis dealing with some some food that Buhler has touched. I just thought, Stuart, you know, there's so many interesting angles there, the family-owned side of it in a world today where so many people say, no, it has to, it's all about efficiency and scale and cost. And your company just seems to have found a way to achieve very laudable financial goals, but also you've just got your own way of doing things, right? It's, it's a really unique approach to, the, to how you do business. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the real key to this, Bob, is, is that family-owned part. You know, I mean, I think it's, it gives us a certain amount of freedom to focus on some longer-term projects, perhaps. And our owners hold us accountable, not just for our profit targets, but also for our sustainability targets. So right now, those targets are that we need to reduce waste and energy usage in our customers' value chains by 30%. And this is this is all in line with the sustainable development goals as set by the United Nations. And I think the beauty of what we have is we are focusing wholly on our sustainability goals but in doing so, we are also creating business and revenues and value and benefit for our customers. And that's the real key. In 2050, there'll be an additional 2 billion people on the planet. And the question is, how are we going to feed them? If we yeah. stay doing yeah. exactly what we're doing right now, we will not be able to feed the, the population of the planet healthy and nutritious food, which should be just a basic right of, of every human being on the planet. And 
For us at Bula, we play a very important role in this. You know, up to around about 25% of the world's population right now touches something that's been processed by Bula equipment every single day. So we play a very relevant role in industry and digitalization for us plays a very important part. It's an enabler to, for us to be able to deliver real value, real, real benefit to these global issues, but also to our customers in terms of revenues. So Stuart, that's interesting how you talked about the impact of digitalization as a a key part of what Bull is doing with that remarkable reach there, right? A quarter of the world's population that food through your equipment has touched there. So as the digital officer for Bula Group, what are your top priorities these days? People ask me a lot about what does a digital officer even do? You know, uh-huh. I mean, it's kind of a job that got invented a few years ago, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, and maybe in a few years time, maybe it'll, it'll, it will disappear again. But, but as of right now, my focus right now is to continue the transformation that we've been on now for about three years. You know, we were in very, very much a, a very traditional company. We made big machines that they weigh a ton. And we then deliver them to our customers. We've been doing this for 160 years. You know, we're very good at it. But then digitalization comes along. And there's a whole load of opportunities that this brings with it. And my job is to help influence and set the direction for the company to be able to take advantage of some of these digital technologies to be able to make a difference. You know, I mean, the thing that we're all about is not just about throwing technology at a problem. We need to be able to apply the right technology to be able to make a difference. And I think that's key. Certainly, if you start talking about lots lots of the things we talk about right now in terms of IoT, data analytics, artificial intelligence, blockchain, the like, all of these things, you need to be doing them for the right reasons, which is that you need to be providing value and benefit to your customers. Stuart, let me just go into that a little bit deeper. Your background, are you a business person, a technologist, some of each? I'm an engineer. I describe myself as an engineer. Yeah. So I started my career out as, a, as an electronic engineer, actually. And then, as you will realize, you know, when you're in the industry and you're working on electronic design, and I'm going back now about probably 22 years or so, that you start to have to get involved in software. And I was, I was doing things like embedded coding and things like this. Yeah. And then eventually, as is common, you know, I, I got, into, got involved in management and I stopped doing sort of engineering and development work. But I enjoy that too. You know, I'm, I'm, I would say now I am a mixture of, a, I have a firm technology background in electronics and software, my entire career spent on it. And then on the business side, it, it's a lot more vision and strategy stuff because, because without having a good vision and a good story behind it, you can't hope to change the culture in your company to be able to maximize the benefit from the di- what the digitalization can bring. Stuart, I'm going to play off the, the term used there a minute ago about vision. And I think one of the great innovations within Buhler in this whole digital transformation recently has been the LumaVision product. So would you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely, yeah. So LumaVision was one of the products we showed at Microsoft Ignite this year in, in Orlando, where we met, Bob. And the uh, I, I don't know, did you get a de- demo of the machine? I didn't get to see that. No, you didn't. Okay. So let me just, let me, let me, let me provide you with a a description of what this machine is. So the machine itself is able to detect a certain toxin, which happens to be something called aflatoxin in corn. Now it can do this at a a high throughput. So we, we can basically put 15 tons of maize through this machine at any one point in time. Just to give you an element, uh, a feeling for size, these machines weigh about a ton. And they're about three meters cubed. So we put okay. corn in the top. Then as the corn comes into a viewing area, what we can do with special sensors and special lighting technology is to be able to analyze every single 
grain of corn as it passes through the viewing area. And in actual fact, not just every single grain, but we split the grain into 700 different pixels on, <laughs> on each side of the grain. Uh -huh. and we analyze each pixel for whether it's good or bad. And if it's bad, we do a targeted jet of compressed air to eject just that grain of infected corn out from the from the good product stream. And we can do that the, the period of time between detecting the bad pixel and the ejection is, un, is about seven milliseconds. Stuart, the scale that you talk about of the amount of food that uh, your machines produce around the world, it has to be you know something where that outcome is a good thing, right? Being able to eliminate that, but also to be able to do that at scale and speed, that's got to be a big play in one of those the, the part of your, your goal to feed the world. Absolutely. So, I mean, this, this particular machine, the reason that we developed the machine at all is because there's this particular toxin, something called aflatoxin, which, might, you know, most people won't, most normal people aren't, aren't going to know what aflatoxin yeah. is. But it, it's one of the most toxic naturally occurring substances known to man. It gets caused when you don't store your grain products. It only affects a certain amounts of amounts of grains, things like ground nuts, rice, oil seeds. And in our case, we're talking about maize. And if you don't store the product properly, you're likely to get mold. And when you get the mold, it's then more susceptible to this toxin. Now, the, the problem with the toxin is that it, every single year, there's around about uh, 155,000 cases of liver cancer every year directly attributed to aflatoxin. Wow. So it's a, it's a big problem. And it, of course, it's more of a problem in the developing world than the developed world. And what the issue is in the, in the developed world, we have better machinery, we have better processes. So we can actually manage the problem down to a level where it, it, it isn't an issue. But in the developing world, of course, um, yes. some countries, for example, in Africa, Kenya, for example, less than 20% of the maize is fit for human consumption. So wow. it's, a, it's a shocking statistic. And yes. um, the, the machine that we have here is actually something that can, you know, can genuinely make a difference to this process. It can be installed as at the, one of the last stages in the processing line. And because the throughput is, is now at a high enough level, it poses no bottleneck to the process. You know, it can work at the industrial grade throughputs of 15 tons an hour. Stuart, when, when we met a few weeks ago and you, you were first describing this, there's another dimension to that as well that plays so much into the overall mission that Buhler has about sustainability. And I think one of the things you described was not so long ago or before a product like LumoVision, if there was discovery of some of those toxins in a certain, just call it a, a batch or a, a big set of the yep. maize, you'd have to get rid of almost all of it, right? And now you're able to reduce the waste to an extraordinary degree. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the situation is that when grain is kind of shipped around the world, it can go into a container, it can go into a truck. The problem is with the existing state-of-the-art detection methods, you would basically be doing sample testing. In a big shipping container, you would actually just sample some of the grains. And you might get lucky, you might find some aflatoxin, but the chances are you, you wouldn't. And the problem is with, with something like the aflatoxin is it spreads. So even if you had a small area that was infected with aflatoxin in a shipping container, by the time it got to the, the end of its mm. journey, you may well have a big, a, a, or it will have increased and you'll have a bigger problem. And then the grain has to be disposed of. Now, in some cases, it just gets incinerated because it's, it is a toxin, it has to be disposed of properly. And in some cases, it can be used for biofuel. But the, the benefit of this machine is we can detect every single grain, the presence of the toxin in every single grain as it goes through the processing line and prevent this from being a problem. Stuart, you sort of kicked open the door there a little bit for, you know, the concept of data. And talk a little bit, please, Stuart, about how, you know, Buhler is blending data into its 
grand recipe to feed the world. So data is a big enabler for us. So, I mean, the whole digital story, whether it's IoT, data analytics, artificial intelligence, even things like blockchain, these are all enablers for us and, and they enable us to be able to make a difference. Our commitment to the industry is to reduce energy and waste by 30% in our customers' value chains. And, and really, data is at the heart of that. Now, for Bula, we take the view that essentially the data analytics, the data science aspect of that, we regard actually as being a, a strategic differentiator. You know, this is something that we are committed to for the long term. We've now got a group of data scientists working full-time within the Bula group, somewhere around eight, eight full-time data scientists based in Switzerland, working on different challenges that we see. Stuart, that also, you, know, you talk about now there's eight of those working on this. Are you finding as the company goes through a lot of these changes, and it's not that the goals are, are changing, but that the methods by which you're reaching those goals or exceeding those goals are changing, that the type of people you're looking for, the, the talent that you're bringing into the company, is that the traditional roles or, or backgrounds, are those shifting? Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. I mean, if we if, if if I think back to a couple of years now, and, and the first time we, we started to sort of recruit for data scientists, it was probably the world's easiest interview ever. You know, we, we essentially, the, the guy came into the room, we, we, we asked him one question, basically, which was, are you a data scientist? And he said, yes. <laughs> so, and then he was in, you know, and obviously, uh -huh. fast forward now, two years later, we now have a, a far better understanding of of how we need to do this, how we need to, you know, the different jobs involved, you know, a data engineer, a data curator, a data scientist, a data analyst, these are all different roles and they, they achieve different things. More generally, if we, if we move over into less data science approach, but we, we start talking about all of the digital services that we're producing, which are essentially a whole load of software development. We went from a, well, we started at a department of precisely no, no one, and we've now got about 60 software guys working on front end, back end, web development, app development to, pr to produce these digital services that we're talking about. So I would say the <coughs> technical challenges for the, for the job requirements have changed. But I think the, the biggest challenge is actually the, the cultural change within the company. Yeah. And that's, that's actually the hardest thing to sort of overcome. But, uh, you know, we've made some good progress with that over the last couple of years. Stuart, to talk a little bit more about that, would you, what, what were those cultural changes and how do you overcome that natural resistance, I think, of most people to change? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the big challenge for us is if you, if you were to pick up any book <coughs> on digital transformation, you would... In the foreword or one of the first paragraphs, what you would see is a paragraph describing a typical traditional physical company. And that, that would have been Bula. You know, that would have yeah. been us maybe, say, four years ago, four or five years ago. We, we were a very typical manufacturing company. We built big machines. They weigh a ton. We ship them to our customers. And then we provide sort of spares and wear parts and servicing. But that's kind of where the relationship ends. And then, and then where we are today, you know, we, we're selling software products, software only. We're also selling some machine plus uh, digital service, augmenting the performance of the machine on top. And all of this requires a completely different mindset. It was interesting to me, actually, for if we just touch on Microsoft Ignite for a second. Yeah. When you see the, the scale of products and services that Microsoft have, and, and I thought I was aware of most of them, but when I looked around that show and saw these... <laughs> At yeah. least hundreds, maybe, I don't know, maybe thousands of different sort of applications and project products and modules that they're trying to pull together and combine to, cre in, to create value and benefit for their customers. 
this is kind of the same thing that problem that we have on it's on a smaller scale but to be able to combine all of these things together takes a little bit of a different mindset you know the development of these digital services is again it's a little bit of a different mindset some of it takes more agile approach you know we're going to get to the market quicker we're going to test out prototypes with our customers you know whereas the traditional approach certainly for a swiss company is we will spend you know years in development designing something that is a hundred percent correct and then we will go to the market with our first right. prototype right the difference with this digital services because of the rate of change that we're experiencing right now you know technology new technology is released every month there's something new coming along that you know i struggle to keep up with we have to get to our customers quickly we have to test solutions with them we bring them into the process so that when we actually do end up with something we're actually reasonably sure that there's some value and benefit there and that, and of course at the end of the day Yes, we are concerned about sustainability issues and goals and targets, but, but we are an organization that has to make money as well. So every digital service we, we deliver does have to generate revenue. And for it to generate revenue, our customers have to be able to see the value and the benefit. Yeah, Stuart, as you brought up Microsoft, a, a couple things popped into my head. One was you were describing the software development teams within Bula that have grown recently. And I think it was about 12 or 15 months ago that Satya Nadella from Microsoft first began to really push this idea of saying that at Microsoft, he said, our job isn't just to give you the software that you use, but to help you, our customers, become creators of your own specialty types of software and digital tools and services that you're going to need to be able to compete in this new economy. So it was interesting to hear how you described on multiple levels how Buller's undergoing that type of overhaul in the skills yeah. it has, the things it produces, the value that you create for your customers. And the other piece of that, Stuart, was uh, I haven't heard of another big tech vendor doing this, but about a year ago, I think it was also that Microsoft said for some of its big corporate customers around the world, that if those customers developed some interesting technology around Azure, then Microsoft's sales organization would help sell that if the customer chose two other organizations. So the IP that businesses are creating today can now become not only a source of value inside the company, but a source of revenue outside. Yeah. So the, you know, the traditional world that we knew it, as you described several years ago at Buller is really changing in multiple ways. It's gotta be exciting for somebody sitting where you are. Oh, it's, it's all in absolutely genuinely. I absolutely love my job and I feel, I feel so privileged to have a job where I get to deliver technical solutions now at this time now that are possible and commercially viable that even as little as seven eight years ago we couldn't deliver some of these solutions because yeah. either either technically you could do it but you know there was a whole host of reasons why you, you just wouldn't do this in a commercially in a commercial sort of way so it is an incredibly exciting time for for me for me personally i'm loving it for the company it's very very exciting i think anyone that's into technology it's an exciting time i think just one thing i would just just come back a little bit on two of the points you raised there about microsoft yeah. all the the challenge microsoft have and satya nadella framed this in as you said in our job is to make our customers better now yeah it's very easy, you know, he said it about 18 months ago, he said it again at the keynote at Ignite, and it's very easy comment to say, it's a lot harder to do. And what I would say is my experience yeah. over the last year is, they really are doing it. I mean, certainly for us, I mean, all I can only comment really on, on for, for Bula's relationship with Microsoft, they really are helping us be better. They're helping us with all of these different applications. They are 
genuinely contributing to us becoming more effective. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is this is exactly what all industry has to do. We have to do it. So as much as Microsoft help, is helping us move along this, this digital transformation with the tools and platforms that they can provide us, we in turn build those platform in, platforms into Bula products, which yeah. then allow us to provide value and benefit to our customers. But the onus then is on us to help our customers understand and to help them be able to realize these values and benefits. So to me, it's very interesting to see this big sort of mega corporation of Microsoft is having exactly the same problems as we are, but on, of course, on an industry-wide level, you know, their problem is far yes. bigger than ours. We, we only, only have to feed the planet in 2050. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, just a, a little <laughs> modest little. Well, you know, Stuart, I, I, as you were describing that, I thought one of the best books that I have ever read that, that talks about not so much the, this sort of current buzzword of digital transformation, but what you're describing about the new form of engagement between a buyer and a seller. Mm -hmm. uh, rather than, you know, you cook something up, put it in a truck, you truck it to somebody's loading dock, you drop it off, they hand you a check, you go back, end of the deal. It was called The New Age of Innovation. And it's by a, a professor at the University of Michigan, C.K. Prahalad, who is just an extraordinary thinker about this. But he was talking about how this notion of the co-creation first of products then the co-creation of experiences and that in the experiences if you do this right he said the experiences that are built around the products become actually more valuable than the products themselves and as you described you know Buhler's evolution here recently the use of data the way that the services that you're building within and around your products the software only things that are going on there it really in a very small number of years has flipped this 158 year old company into something that takes all the good things that Buhler's traditionally done and now adds an additional level of value for not only your customers, but for the company yourself. And the, the scale of time in which these profound things happen is, is remarkable. So again, I think that's why somebody sitting where you are doing the sorts of things you're doing, as well as everybody in the company, but particularly where you are in the middle of this digital stuff, it, it's got to be quite a ride. It is. I mean, it's a very exciting time to be kind of working on all, on all of this stuff. And, you know, I absolutely genuinely believe it. You know, in terms of digitalization is a tool that we should, we need to pick the right tools for the job. You know, we, we don't just work on a blockchain solution because everyone else is working on a blockchain solution. You work on a blockchain solution because it actually is a valid approach to solving a particular problem. And I use blockchain there just as an example. But yeah, in yeah. all of these cases, use the right tool for the job. And I genuinely believe that we can make a difference to these very big global challenges that we have at the moment. You know, if I mention that we talk about blockchain, we think about supply chain, we think about the food and agricultural supply chain. You know, at the moment, one third of all the food that we produce is lost somewhere from field to fork. Uh, now, now, that's a shocking statistic in itself, yeah. particularly when you consider that at the same time, 800 million people are starving in the world. And at the same time, we have 800 million people starving in the world. There's 2.2 million people that are obese. So we have yeah. these vast global challenges that need attention. And of course, Bula's not, not we're not standing up saying we're going to solve all of these on our own. You know, it's the time, you know, you mentioned co-creation with regard to developing businesses with our customers but it's a time of collaboration it's a time of being of openness open innovation is important and if if we truly are going to sort of meet these global challenges we we need to sort of embrace them 
And digitalization, I absolutely firmly believe, will be a key driver of all of this. Well, Stuart, I love how you weave those themes together and that it isn't just, you know, efficiency or doing something, you know, 3% faster and for, you know, 2% lower cost, but these greater goods that you're describing. Again, I think that's one of the things that's so exciting about what's going on these days. And um, Stuart, the final thing I wanted to ask you, can you give us some idea of sort of what's next for you and your team? The big thing that we'll be looking at next, and I think this, I think that this isn't particularly new, is um, I think that artificial intelligence is going to be the real game yeah. changer going forward. You know, we're at early, early stages with the actual genuine application of, of AI. But if I think about some of the opportunities we have in the, the food and agricultural industry for game changing sort of step changes in performance and, and productivity across the supply chain, there's massive opportunity. And I, I, if I think about the just the the image processing opportunities, the ability to apply AI to be able to predict harvests, to be able to detect defect levels, to be able to adapt the model to detect defect levels, dependent on weather conditions, dependent on the time of year, dependent on just what that the, the, you know the average of that grows grains look like as they come through. These are all completely possible with the correct application of artificial intelligence and I, and I actually think artificial intelligence will actually be the enabler for all industry to bring it to the next level i think we're at a stage now where we need to think about bringing the data to the cloud we need to start offering you know basic level introductory date digital services that still make a difference they make a big difference in our case in the food industry but the next stage will be artificial intelligence clearly very exciting time Stuart. and um thank you so much this has been a, a terrific conversation. And again, thanks a million for your time and ideas. Thanks, Bob. It was great talking to you again. Stuart, same here. And I also want to be sure to thank all of you listeners for joining us here on Cloud Wars Live, where we explore the unfolding adventures of digital transformation and cloud computing and how those are profoundly changing how the world works, lives, plays, learns, and imagines what the future is going to be like. I hope you'll join us for other episodes of Cloud Wars Live. And please share your feedback with me at Bob Evans, PA at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.